Welcome in, everybody, to another edition of Cheers from the Press Box. I'm your host, Brennan Tassif, joined, by, as always, by Joe Dorville. What's going on, Joe? What is going on, my good man? Not much. We're getting ready to talk some sports. Yes, that is what we do. That is what the show is. So, uh. <laughs> all right. <laughs> We're going to go around the league first. Um, we got a lot to get to. Uh, NBA Finals. We've got the WNBA. We've got NCAA football. But first, let's go around the league in the NFL. Let's get, let's get into some topics. Let's do it. Let's do it. So I, I, I'm starting to... I think this is probably our best model going forward. Uh, we start with Sunday night football. Uh, first off, and uh, we've done it two weeks in a row now. Okay, and uh, we're gonna do it here because my Eagles finally got in the win column. Got the big W. Finally put a winner. Finally got a win in the win column. It didn't feel good, but you know we got it. Well, I mean, what did what did you think? Because they were going up against the 49ers team that was decimated by injuries. You watched this whole game, correct? Yes, uh, Fortnite team that was decimated by injuries. But we are also a team decimated by injuries. Uh, yeah. Going into this week, Jason Peters got put on the IR. Um, so that's our fourth offensive lineman. To, and they just uh, brought him back to too. The IR. Just brought him back. Just had to move him. They brought him back to play right guard because Brooks went out. And then yep. when Dillard got hurt, who was taken over at left tackle, they moved him back to left tackle. And now he's on the IR. So right guard. No, sorry. Right guard. Yeah, right guard because Lane's a tackle. Right guard, left guard, left tackle, backup out. left tackle, all on IR. <laughs> And then Lane got hurt early in this game, but thankfully was able to come back. Um, and then we're missing uh, three of our receivers. We're missing the rookie that we just drafted. We're missing Deshaun. We're missing Alshon, who hasn't played a snap this year. I don't think he's dressed out this year. Uh, I wrote down the, the the people that Wentz had to throw to. What happened? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. You you made a face. Oh did, um, no! I was I, I was realized, I forgot to hear. I was trying to find. Um, I'm gonna have to put that in post. What happened? Yeah, that's what I was waiting on when I when I was. That's why I was kind of. Yeah, ta- I was dragging my feet a oh, little. Oh shit! Look, sorry, folks. This is the first time with Sounders, and I forgot, and I got excited because of the Eagles. <laughs> Let me run this back. <laughs> Ready to return the opening kickoff. Perfect way to kick off. Okay, here we go. This is to the Eagles who Carson had to throw the ball to, aside from Miles Johnson and Zach Ertz. John Hightower. Have you ever heard of this man? No, I have not. Okay, Greg Ward Jr. I'm, we're all familiar with him now. Uh, after the end of last year, he was probably one of our only receivers left. Used to be a quarterback for Houston. And this is my favorite one. I was waiting for you to get uh, to him. I still, don't, I, was, I still don't know how to say this name. Uh, Travis Fulgham. Fulgham from Old Fulgham? Dominion. That's where he's from. Oh, geez, I thought I thought it was funny because his name is Fulham, just with a G in the middle of it. Yeah, and Fulham's my favorite soccer club. <laughs> yeah, but, from Old um, Dominion, yeah, uh, drafted I, I last blame... year in the sixth round. Who? 
From Old Dominion drafted, drafted last year him? in the sixth round. By the Eagles? No, I'm sorry. He was drafted by Detroit. Oh, by Detroit. I was like, I didn't know if he was drafted by us or not. I, I've never I've never heard of this name, this guy before. Got yeah, a nice it, deep ball from Wentz. Probably Wentz. Yeah, and that ball was ball that ball, ball was pretty. The way that um Travis wasn't even I'm just gonna call him Travis. Travis wasn't even looking for it. Wentz literally <laughs> snapped one Mississippi two and then just put it up. And it was just when he took threw it. Off. it yeah, I was watching that game. When he put it up, I was like, wh- what? Like the receiver's going <laughs> like to have to throw a bad pass. Well, no, because yeah. the way and then it just fell you know right in his bread basket. It was such an arch. He put such a rainbow on it. As soon as it left mm-hmm. his hand, I was like, did did his hand like did he mean to throw it like that? Cuz normally <laughs> you don't want the ball to hang in the air too long because then the safety can make a play on yeah. it. But he threw it so far. <laughs> <laughs> that the, no one was there. So like and on Travis the had to run under it. Yeah. yeah, and it was right on the sideline. I remember when he caught it. Everyone was like, "Oh no, did, is he out of bounds?" And it's like, "No, that's that's a catch, man." It was so well thrown, actually, that it, uh, he almost dropped the ball. Like it got down to his legs. <laughs> yep. Like he wasn't expecting the ball. It almost it slipped right out of his hands. But um, once I mean, uh, not a game blunderless. He had one terrible, god awful interception. That made me just want to pull my hair out. Um, and I, I feel like they abandoned the run too early. Good thing they were going up against Nick Mullins and CJ Beathard. And, uh, yeah, they, they ended up benching Nick Mullins. It was after his, uh, he threw another pick and then, uh, I think it was a three and yeah. out, and then they ended up benching him and brought in Beathard. And I honestly, watching that game, I think they took him really right after w- the pick six, actually. Yeah, I really wanted the Eagles to win, obviously, because, you know, I know you're an Eagles fan. And then when they put, yeah, of course, when they put Beathard in (laughs) and he like had that drive, I was like, there's no way this is going to happen. They're not going to come back. Like, there's no way. Yeah, he threw the pick six to the the, uh, number 49, the the outside linebacker. Singleton. Who I've never heard of. uh, His team's consisting of a lot of people I've never uh, heard of. He was playing in the Canadian League last year. He was a Stampeder. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, so he got that pick six, and then um, they took him out. But it was a it was crazy at the end because I honestly was like, "There's no way Beathard's going to lead them back." And then he started to, and I was like, "Oh, this is going to suck tomorrow when we have to do this show." <laughs> Look, if we would have lost that game, I would have been irate. <laughs> I might have quit the show because I can't talk about a Owen. Oh, oh, and 14 and one season or however those numbers shake out. Um, but yeah, uh, we, we just got to get healthy. I mean, yeah, I, well, and that's we the thing. Healthy, it's a long we season. Get miles the ball more. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love Miles Sanders. I took him last year in fantasy. I thought he was going to have a big breakout year last year. And I mean, he's had some really good games this year, but they just need to this figure out what they want to do. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what I'm saying. They and, have to uh, figure out if they want. I think Doug, I think Dougie's a listener of the show because last week I called for some RPOs and we got an RPO. Yeah. Got a little run out of an RPO by Carson. Carson had a good couple runs in there. He had a run for a touchdown. Um, so, yeah. I, I mean, mean, he looks good. I the Jalen Hurts thing I brought up to you a couple of weeks ago was just kind of a devil's advocate. And I think we're done. Mm-hmm. I think we're done with the Jalen Hurts experiment for right now. Yeah. Um, Especially when he fumbled that snap, it's it's kind of like, all right, let's just let's put Carson Wentz in there and play <laughs> some football. I wanted yeah, to move. Uh, um, I wanted to move to my team. Well, go ahead. You got something else you to say about to it? Your, you wanted to go straight to your team. All right, let's do it. 
No, I was going to jump. Actually, I was not going to really talk about my team, the Jaguars. I wanted to talk about Burrow and um, the okay. our, uh Shocking. I mean, but you got three for 300, what, 350? 351? Uh, 323, if I'm not mistaken. 323? I don't know. I get all these stats confused. Uh, but Burrow got his first win. And I really wanted to talk about the Browns because that's everything I have pulled up. And that was next on the rundown. But I said Burrow and I don't know why I did that. So let's talk hey, about Burrow. Fine. <laughs> let's do it. Uh, he looked Hope great. Friend, um, yeah. We're, we can we can flow. We got this. Uh, he uh, looked really good, though. Um, Jack's defense still looks something to be admired, especially a lot of the um, stupid penalties. Miles Jack had that great interception in the end zone, though. But uh, Burrow looks good. Um, I was really uh, impressed with the way he was moving around in the pocket, really didn't let anything kind of get to him. Um, made a lot of great throws. Again, it was, uh, you were right. It was 351. Minshew was 27 to 40 for 351. Um, James Robinson didn't have a, a great day um, comparatively to what he's been doing. But I mean, or we, to mix the same. Yeah. Well, and then it's funny. <laughs> I have Joe Mixon on my fantasy team every year for like four or five years in a row. And then I just stopped drafting him because he was never, Oof. it was his first career game where he had three touchdowns. Oh, really? He had uh, one receiving yeah, and uh, two touchdown. rushing. Yeah. But um, yeah, yeah I mean, it was just, yeah. And it was, it was impressive to see. I mean, I obviously was frustrated as a Jags fan, but in that fourth quarter, they just kept handing the ball to Mixon and he's like, and he just took it. He, you know, put the game on the, with the game on the line, he put it on his shoulders and just kept, they could not stop him. And it was incredibly frustrating to see, but then at the same time, it's just, you know, they were favored in the game anyway. They were playing at yeah. home. They had some fans in the stands. They got the win. And I was impressed with Joe Burrow. Um, I was really impressed with him to be a rookie and we don't have the same, you know, defense that we did a few years ago, but still, I mean, it's nah, not a, still. it's, it's not the worst defense. defense in the NFL. Yeah. Um, especially with all the pass rushers that we have, he, you know, he played really well. Um, that's all I want to talk about when it comes to the, uh, Bengals, uh, Jags game only because I don't want to harp on that. There was nothing. I mean, <laughs> Burrow got his first win. That was the biggest highlight of that game. I was going to say uh, one quick thing. Did you see what he did with the game ball? Yeah, he put it right. He said he put it right back in the uh, ball bag. Yeah. Like, what do you do? Take the ball and go home, kid. What are you, yeah. <laughs> what he are said, you I'm very here? particular. Yeah, I'm very particular <laughs> about the balls that we use. And since I won with this one, I'm going to keep it in the ball bag for the next game. I was like, all right, Lewis. more power to you, bruh. A little too cool for school for me. A little too cool for school. Yeah, right. And then but, did you see what he tweeted? Like it's I like to win or I like winning or something oh yeah, like that. It's fun to have a fun to win. Yeah, something like that. It's fun to win. Yeah. Um, if if it was any other team, I'd be like, oh, that's so hilarious. But because it was my team, I was like, <laughs> fuck you. I think I like that tweet, by the way. <laughs> anyway, uh, you mentioned it. The Brown, the Brownies, three yeah. and one. Three and one for the first time since 2009. Uh, big question that I wanted to ask you, and I kind of wanted to pose to the general public: um, Are the Browns for real, or are the Cowboys garbage? Um, I think it's a two-hander. I think the Browns could be for real, even though their three wins are against now the Cowboys, the football team, and what was the third one? Cincinnati. Yeah. yeah. So they beat Cincinnati, they beat the football team, they beat the Cowboys. Um, 
And the Cowboys have only beat the dreadful, dreadful, dreadful Falcons. <laughs> and they um, shouldn't. They should not have won that game either. And they should not have won that. Look, I will never forgive the Falcons for that loss at this point. Um, yeah, because Eagles could have a clean lead of the first. Whatever. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah. So, what what do you think? Uh, let me throw the question back at you. Before I think the Browns are for real. Numbers. I think. Um, I think the Browns have invested a lot in their offensive line. When the season started, uh, <clears throat> I, it's on record. I thought their offensive line wasn't going to be very good because it was a lot of new pieces that hadn't been playing together. I thought that Odell Beckham was going to get frustrated with Baker Mayfield because he wasn't going to be able to he get him the ball that. as often as he wanted. Um, and the one bright spot that I knew that they had was going to be the run game. I, I knew Nick Chubb was going to be a beast. I figured their defense was going to be all right, especially with Miles Garrett anchoring that defensive line. But I honestly thought it's one of those things where I was like, oh, exactly what the Cowboys are going through. I thought the Browns were going to go through again for Mm -hmm. the second year in a row. They have all Mm -hmm. of this talent um, as far as the skill positions. They have Baker Mayfield, who was the number one pick. They've got all these skill guys. And then they were just going to shit the bed like they did last year. And that's exactly what the Cowboys are doing this year. If you look at the Cowboys on paper, it's a fantasy team, especially with the wide receivers. Their offenses. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Their defense to Marcus Lawrence even said the defense is soft, but I, so I think I don't, I don't think the Cowboys are trash necessarily. I don't think they're going to be great this year, but I don't think they're going to be like one of the bottom tier teams, like a bottom feeder team. But I also, I, so that's out for me. I think the Browns are for real though. I think the, which is weird. Cause I cannot stand it when people have like a hot take at the beginning of the year and then they go back on it within like a few weeks. Cause they're just, but I'll admit it right now. I was wrong. And I said this, I, yeah. And I said this after the Thursday night game, cause what happened last year, they were just so underwhelming last year. Yeah, and I was they like, they so didn't, I mean, they moved some things. Yeah, and I was like, well, they moved some things around on the offensive line, but I don't think it's going to be enough to turn the whole season around. And it has. It yeah. absolutely has. Nick Chubb, of unfortunately, was injured. He might be out for a while. But that run game, even Kareem Hunt, Kareem Hunt would start anywhere else. So yeah. they've got him. I mean, I understand he's not a, a sterling stand-up guy, but he's a great football player. Ezekiel Elliott looks like the most overpaid running back in the history of the NFL. And as a former... Yep you know, person who played in the backfield. I don't, I hate to say that, but after seeing what James Robinson does in Jacksonville, after seeing, you know, Kareem Hunt was basically off the scrap heap and now is playing for the Browns because after he got released from Kansas city, after, you know, Leonard Fournette getting moved, like after seeing all these running backs, what's happening. And now Zeke, like, it's almost like I still don't understand. And again, it pains me to say this because I have friends that were running backs in the league, but it, it doesn't make sense to pay running backs. It doesn't. It does. In my opinion. Stop saying it. Um, I mean, well, we got say. rid of our fourth well, overall pick and brought in an undrafted free agent and he's wrecking people. Uh, wrecking people is a, a, a euphemism. A little, a little out there term. Um, <laughs> Don't act like Leonard Fournette didn't have like 1,600 yards from scrimmage last year. Anyway. I know, but only three touchdowns. Anyway. Hey, that's, a, that's, a, that's coaching, I'd say. Doug Marone, offensive coach, right? <laughs> Scheme some plays to get your running back into the end zone. Anyway, uh, yeah. I, think, I think Dallas stinks. And I think Dallas stinks because their defense stinks. 
Their defense gave up 24 points in the second quarter alone. That is not conducive for your offense to get out of a hole. (laughs) Now, the offense didn't help. The offense didn't help by having, uh, I believe there were two fumbles in the second half, in the second quarter, one by Zeke, one by Dak. But you gotta, you gotta get some stops. You can't, and you can't just give up touchdown after touchdown after touchdown. You gotta, you gotta force a field goal or something. A field goal is a win. Get off the field. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, Dallas, it's just so weird to say Dallas stinks. I mean, their defense is not very good. Like I said, Demarcus Lawrence, the head of that defense, the the anchor to that defensive line even said, um, we're playing soft and they really need to pick it up. I mean, I understand they've had injuries, but so is everybody else. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, that's not that's not how we're gonna play this game. And the thing that kind of makes me mad is um like Jalen Smith is over here talking all this noise about like, well, it's the scheme. The scheme is too, he straight said the scheme is too confusing. Um, and that they yeah. need to kind of, uh, they need to kind dial of, uh, dumb down the playbook. Yeah. Dial it back. But I was watching some of the highlights today on the NFL network aftermath. And he's literally just on some of these plays that they were showing. Dying. He's like tripping over himself. He's like falling over. Yeah. And no, I'm like, that has nothing play, to do with uh, scheme. I saw Emmanuel Acho break it down on Twitter and uh, on the uh, the o, uh, OBJ swing yeah, around yep. whatever play. The, they showed yeah, the Jalen sweep, Smith yeah. just like jogging midway through. And then like once OBJ takes off, then he starts to run. It's like if yeah, and on that one, Alden Smith got effort, himself hooked. <laughs> yeah. Like if you just have a little more effort, you know. <laughs> But uh, yeah, no, I got, I got some stats. I don't understand what's going on with team. them. They let they let Cleveland run for three oh seven on their necks. Um, the offense as a whole has nine turnovers on the season, which is not good. They've allowed one hundred and forty six points over four games, which breaks down to thirty six and a half. Um, if you're already in a hole, it, it's hard to get out of a hole. And it goes back to what I was saying last week, where. They keep getting in a hole and then they have to abandon the run so early. So Zeke doesn't even have the yep. opportunity to get started. Yeah, he uh, only had 12 carries the whole game, 54 yards, 12 carries. Mm-hmm. And most of those yards came on one 24-yard run. So they're not they're <laughs> not establishing the run. And then first time since I think it was like 1961, they said that uh, the Dallas Cowboys have allowed 307 yards of uh, rushing against them that's that's insane, insane. a hundred yard game for a running back is good number. and collectively they had 307 <laughs> yards not a single 100 yard rusher though but it would have been nick chubb had he not gotten injured i would say nick chubb if he didn't get hurt kareem Hunt if they didn't decide to split the carries between him and d johnson whoever that is d d eshen johnson johnson yeah d ernest johnson and then you had a yeah, big coming out of usf of, uh, obj oh really yeah. He had OBJ with a big run, so yeah, absolutely. I have a pass rush All stat right. here that shows they're not getting to the quarterback, but I'm gonna leave that alone. <laughs> Let's talk about it. It's on everyone's mind, um, especially oh mine, since I am a fan of a team in the AFC South, the Texans. Oh we originally put on the rundown. I had put Texans can't get it together so much so that a few hours ago they fired Bill O'Brien as the GM and head get coach. Bill O'Brien here. is now out. Get him out of here. 
Um, <laughs> we knew this was coming. I said at the beginning of the year on this podcast that uh, Bill O'Brien is a good coach, but a horrible GM. And then the he last did. couple of weeks, uh, it has shown that he wasn't even a good coach. Um, no. Some of the play calling and everything that he was doing just didn't seem. And like they've won the division three out of the last four years. So I, I wasn't wrong in my estimation that he is a good coach. I mean, he's good. He was a good coach, but I don't know what happened this year. If he's a bad GM, everyone knows he's a bad GM with the way he trades away <laughs> capital and just kind of gets rid of people. But he was a functioning NFL head football coach, at least the last few years and just couldn't put it together this year. I mean, they had a murderer's yeah. row of teams to play, but yeah, he's out. And now uh, Romeo Cornell is the uh, interim head coach. Yeah, I think I think it came down to uh, identity. They they couldn't. I mean, they have the Sean Watson. You think the ball should move through the air, but they haven't been able to establish the run. Um, and they've been trying to establish. And he was run trying to. Yeah, he was yeah, trying say, since making that D hop trade for David Johnson and um, Brandon Cooks. One of your offseason signings hasn't gone the way that you would want. He only got targeted three times for no receptions this past game. So it's kind of like if, if the offense isn't going to be effective, then why do we have you? Cause you're an offensive coach. So what are you doing here? <laughs> yep. Yeah. And um, it's like, you're the play I feel caller bad. and we're not scoring. <laughs> I feel bad for Deshaun because this, this seems like a David Carr situation all over again. Um, they have a good quarterback and they just, they, you know, he's, he got sacked three times again. He's always getting sacked. It seems like a rushed, um, but he's a good quarterback. Um, I wouldn't put him in the elite category, but I definitely put him in the top eight or nine, maybe even the, you know, maybe even the top five on certain days, but he just, they couldn't get it together. And the Vikings are not good this year. Like I think now Vikings. Dalvin cook is amazing, but Dalvin cook other is than that, it's yeah. Dalvin cook is very, very good. He's a top five running back in the NFL, but they get rid of their main offensive weapon in Stefan Diggs. They're, they're da only down the field threat. One of the best deep ball receivers in the NFL. Adam Thielen has eight receptions for 114 yards and a touchdown, which is great. But yeah, like without that, without that deep threat, you know what I mean? Adam Thielen's not a deep threat. Um, well, he's a possession um, they're, receiver. They're developing uh, Justin Jefferson into a deep threat, which yeah. is starting to look really good. But I mean, I just, the Vikings have not been playing well at all this year. Um, everybody knows that. We all saw it with the record. Uh, and to go in and I honestly, when we were looking at the schedule, cause we did this last week with the Texans or two weeks ago <sighs> when they were, you know, on that skid oh, and I was like, okay, well, yeah. And I was like, well, they might lose to the Steelers, but they'll definitely beat the Vikings. And then yeah. to see this happen, I'm just, I'm surprised that they, they did fire Bill O'Brien. I mean, like I said, he's just won the division three out of the last four years. So I thought for sure. Um, if anyone, it was going to be Matt Patricia to be first coast fired or uh Gase, but um, yeah, it's the Houston Texans are in trouble. And now Romeo Canella is a D the defensive coordinator. Now the interim head coach, I don't know what they're going to do with the offense. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, Normally I mean, when I a defensive coach Romeo takes over, run. it's. Oh yeah. Romeo is a defensive coach. That's right. Carly Weiss was the OC in new England. Yeah. Yeah, I have no clue what the God, remember those days. <laughs> Charlie Wise. <laughs> yeah, and Sorry, I Deshaun. a lot of times defensive 
defensive minded coaches want to run the ball a lot more. Um, I don't yeah. know if he'll just give it up to the offensive coordinator and say, you know, you deal with it, but I'm interested to well, see what happens thing. where the Texans go from here. The crazy thing is, can you even name the Texans OC? We've only known Bill O'Brien to be in charge of that offense for so long now. Yeah, he was calling the plays. I I cannot I cannot tell you who the offensive no coordinator is for. Is. I'm even looking at the site right now and I can't even find it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'd be interested to see what's going on. I mean. I'll be honest with you. I'm a little uh, excited that it happened when it did happen because they're going to be reeling from this and then they got to play, um, play the Jaguars next week. So hopefully that can amount to a win <laughs> for my Jacksonville Jaguars. But I, I mean, say, you cannot um, waste Deshaun Watson. You can't waste him. Yeah. So uh, because of the track we're going up, can we move the next topic down one so we could talk about another coach who should be fired. Yeah. So do you want to move the, you want to talk Broncos? Yeah. Let's talk Broncos jets <laughs> mainly. So we can pick back up where Speaking we left of off another coach Adam that Gase. should be fired. <laughs> Absolutely. Adam Gates. Can we get him the fuck out of here? So, um, the toilet bowl on Thursday <clears throat> was, uh, <laughs> I was actually, I and I said this to L. Greg, uh, rest in peace, our former producer. I had told him, <laughs> I had sent him a message in the Slack because I honestly, other than some of the penalties and some of the Slack, bizarre, even though it's Discord, Discord. I don't know. I don't know why. Oh, it's probably because <laughs> I listened to too much of the BS report and all the Ringer podcasts. Nah. They always say Slack, so I always say I don't know. But um, got it, got it. shout out to the Ringer. But uh. Come get us cheers from the press box. Yeah, I knew. But uh, it was in uh, the discord. I told Greg and I was I was being genuine, like some of parts of that game. It was a good game. Like it wasn't all garbage, but it wasn't. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The penalties, though, and. Darnold, I'm. I, I don't know what's going to happen with uh, Darnold. He went oh, down uh, with the shoulder injury when he was thrown to the ground. Like that should have been a penalty. I don't know if you watched that yeah. play, um, but uh, he, it should have been a penalty. And it wasn't Sam. Okay, Sam Darnold goes out yeah, and um, Joe F- Flacco, Joe Flacco, Flacco came, came in. in. Dude, you should have seen it though. So Sam Darnold comes back to the sideline and I'm sitting with my uncle because I have dinner with my grandma and my family on Thursdays and we're watching the game and I go, oh, Darnold's coming back in. And my uncle looks at me and he said, "Um, well, no, he's probably going to wait till the next series because it was like second down when you saw him on the sideline. And I, I said out loud to him, I said, this will be the testament of if Darnold is a quarterback in the NFL. If he says, no, get Joe Flacco out of here. This is my team. And that's exactly mm. what he did. It was like third and two and he came running in and he said, Joe, thanks, but no thanks. I'm, I'm yeah. taking over. And honestly, I thought that was going to be like a big turning point. Like the music would swell and it was going to be like this. Yeah. Oh, we, we got it. And then like two plays later, it was like a pick. And I was like, oh, never mind. <laughs> not a pick, but it was a, a turnover sad. on downs. Yeah, but the Broncos um, got their win. So congratulations to L. Greg. <clears throat> the Broncos got their dub, but... Okay, so we want to get rid of Gase because Gase is clearly not good. Should we also get rid of Greg Williams, Greg Double G Williams? Um, his defense had six 
six unnecessary or roughness penalties, three rough in the passers, three unnecessary roughness. And so much so that Vic Fangio, the coach of the Broncos, told his team, let's not even shake their fucking hands. Let's just get off the field. Yeah, and um, it's a bad look for the defensive coordinator who was suspended and fined for Bounty Gate to be out there having a defense with all these penalties. And I understand what he's probably saying to them. We play hard. We play to the whistle. People are going to fear the Jets defense. When people play us, they're going to be afraid. And I get that mindset. But with the way the penalties are nowadays, you know what I mean? Like 20 years ago, that could work when there weren't all these penalties that you could call, there was no helmet to helmet. There was no flag for, you know what I mean? Like that could work, but it's 2020 now and they flag all that. So he was the bounty gate. And then we have this, but I don't know if you remember last year, but um, OBJ, when the Cleveland were about to play the jets, he was like, uh, apparently the defense told him that, Uh, Greg Williams was like, yeah, go for his legs, take him out. And like they're talking a bunch of dirty rhetoric. Because I think was it Sheldon Richardson who came from the Jets to Cleveland at some point in the season? Um, Yeah, he was one of their. uh, It was just one of the Jets top rhetoric. So, yeah, there's no there's no I I understand. I mean, I understand it from the mentality of that old school. This is war like kill them all but that's not yeah. football that's not how it's played it's there's no room in the game for that longevity for anybody you or the players well yeah not only that but it's like come on like all right first of all you play defense so you're already seen as like a big dumb idiot um <laughs> and now you're gonna you're gonna amplify that by just being like overtly dirty like yeah. that doesn't make sense just to overtly me ridiculous. like let's Let's just, yeah, let's just play the game, you know, and some of the best defensive players are. Sorry, I just remembered what it was. The Greg Williams was on the Hugh Jackson staff. And then when Hugh Jackson and Greg Williams got fired um, and OBJ came in the next year, they were getting ready to play the Jets. And some of the defense told uh, OBJ in the year prior that when he was on the Giants and the Cleveland were going to play the Giants, that Greg Williams was saying, uh, we're going to take him out, take him out. So the defense was telling him, like, hey, be aware because the Jets defense, now that he's over there, might be trying to do the same, like, dirty tactics and stuff. Okay. Yeah, I I, 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 I don't know. It's I'm stuttering because it's hard to find the words because it's just, like, you most some of the it's best barbaric. defensive players – yeah, and some of the best defensive players, while they played James Harrison, prime example, played to the whistle, would light you up if he had the opportunity. Never really deemed a dirty player. Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, uh, Troy Polamalu, some of the best defensive players. They they were aggressive and they were very. Yeah, I was just, as I said it, I was like, name some other people. <laughs> but they were aggressive players, but I, I, what, I don't think. And, but correct me if I'm wrong, but just thinking about all the football the I've watched you said the last 10 were years. never considered dirty. Yeah. And I mean, Troy Polamalu had that rep at USC when he knocked that kid out um, who called for the fair catch on the uh, punt. But like when he got to the NFL, he never had any issues. So I I, yeah. I don't understand this, this old mentality of we got to hurt their best player. First of all, if you need to hurt their best player in order to win the game, you don't have any, you have no business winning that game. It should be my well, best against your best. Let's go. 
the, the Jets and Cleveland when he was there had no business winning any games. Yeah. So. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, if I you can't get, take my you. best against your best, then what are we doing here? Like, to hope someone gets hurt so you could try to win the game? Like, that's so, like, what are we, seven? Like, get the fuck out of here. Okay. And that's why I think him. We always get sidetracked with Gase, man. Fuck out of here! I know Gase and his staff. Gase and his staff. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we get so heated about that. Let's get back on track. Uh, The The comeback comeback kid. The comeback old man. (laughs) Tom Uh, Brady, number twelve in your programs, number one in your fucking hats, dude. Tom Brady, fucking is in Tampa now, so we should be doing a Tampa accent first of all. What is that? Um, just drunk on Ebor? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, you nailed it. <laughs> drunk on Ebor Street or in St. Pete. Um, he looked old early. He threw a pick six. Yeah. Uh, another one of those yep. odd pick sixes every time he throws them. But now we kind of got to get used to him. Um, and I heard they actually have taking, uh, they've taken um, out routes out of the they originally took uh, deep outs out of the playbook, and then that interception was on a not a deep out, but an out route. So I wonder if they're just gonna completely take all out routes out of that playbook because he can't make that extra throw to the outside and just keep everything yeah, inside takes- the numbers. But um, yeah, you talk about you know the five touchdown comeback and all that good jazz. Well, so it was, they were down 10 going into halftime. It was 24, 14. And like you said, Brady looked old. I mean, it didn't look like, um, didn't look like he was going to have it. Justin Herbert looked like something out of a, like 1960s porn out there with his hair flowing (laughs) and just kind of cannon arm. He just looked, he looked like he was going to dominate this game and Herbert had a good game. Um, he played really well, 20 to 25, uh, three touchdowns, only one pick. He was only sacked twice, but then Tom Brady came out in the second half and was like, Oh yeah, I'm the greatest of all time. Hear me roar. Kind of a Hold thing. Hold my beer, young um, man. Oh, you can't even drink yeah, this beer, young yeah. man. <laughs> Hold, yeah. Five <laughs> touchdowns to five different receivers. Unfortunately, OJ Howard, which is the story of his career, is out for the season with an Achilles injury now. But they've got plenty of tight ends. They've got Brait. They've got Gronkowski. They'll, they're going to be fine. Um, like yeah. I said, five different touchdowns to five different receivers. Um, and Brady looked great. Uh, Ronald Jones, the second, who was one of those kind of guys that on a lot of NFL teams, you'll find this where they have a starting running back and you're kind of like, wait, who, uh, had a great game. Um, yeah. 20, uh, carries for 111 yards to his credit. Everybody wanted to get him out the paint as soon as Fournette became available. Um, people thought that when LaShawn McCoy got there, that he was going to become the starting running back. I don't know why. LaShawn hasn't been a starting running back in a few years now. But, um, yeah, uh, Arians every time has said, no, Ronald Jones is our guy. And he put, like, what, 110 on them on the ground? One, uh, yeah, uh, 111. 20 carries for 111 100. yards. Um, Bruce Arians coming through in a thing, big, right? bad way. Huh? I'm fucking good at the stat thing. Like, I, I don't have yeah, that written you're down. You're just pulling it once, and I just I, remember. I'm pulling, I'm pulling from the page, but um, Bruce Arians, it looks like he's finally, everything's kind of coming together and he's getting that offense that he wanted. Now he can't push the ball down the field nearly as well as uh, Jameis could. Uh, Bruce Arians does like to do that uh, uh, vertical kind of push the pass game. 
But mm. what I wanted to talk about was this Bucks defense, which was good last year too, but it was difficult when your quarterback's throwing a lot of interceptions and you have to defend yep. from your red zone every single time you're on the field. This is a good defense. We talked about it a few weeks ago. Just the names alone, Devin White, that high pick, uh, Shaquille Barrett. They've got Indomitian Sue, Vita Vea. When, they, when you run a 3-4, you need that huge, big nose body, and that's exactly yeah. what he brings. Uh, they have JPP. So it's a, it's there's a lot of names on this defense. This isn't like a no-name defense, and they play they play really well. They had six total quarterback hits against um, Herbert, two sacks, um, five tackles for loss. Like This is... This is a good defense. And if you pair that with the decision-making of Brady and the experience of Brady, I think the Bucks are going to, I think they've got it wrapped up as far as and the I division. Think the biggest and, thing, I think the biggest thing for the defense was, um, so uh, correct me if I'm wrong, the Chargers went into the half with the lead, right? And yeah, they 24 got the to ball, 14. They had the ball coming out of the half as well. And immediately the Bucks defense just uh, Austin Eckler got hurt as well, which fucking sucks. Yeah, I forgot but to mention they that. They just stopped any ability to run the ball, forcing them to throw more, which led to more uh, turnovers on down and got Brady the ball back and got them to have the ability to get those five touchdowns and four in the second half. And to get back in the game, yeah, so it, that defense, yeah, they shut the run game down. Twenty to get to the quarterback, it was able to stop the run effectively. Twenty three attempts on the ground, only forty six yards. The defense yeah. stifled them to two yards a carry as an average. That's that's insane. That's 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 a real defense. Like that's they've come to play. So I'm, yeah. I'm super happy for the the Bucks. Um, I'm actually as weird as it sounds. I'm I'm really yeah. happy for. Uh, Brady, as much pain as he caused wow. me in the 2017 AFC Championship, because you know to to leave New England with that kind of not hostility, but that just kind of like you know thanks but no thanks, we're gonna move on. Um, and mm. then him being like you know screw you guys, I'm out of here. When he went to Tampa Bay, I know a lot of like regular people who just kind of are casual fans were kind of like, oh, Tom Brady's in Tampa Bay now, they're gonna win the Super Bowl. And you and I, as you know, people who actually understand football and like watch a lot of football, we're kind of like, mm. I don't know, especially after that week one, you and I both yeah. were kind of skeptical. Um, but I think everything's coming yeah, in form. I think Bruce Arians all the time. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think there's so many factors. Um, Bruce Arians runs a completely different offense than Josh McCown does. And uh, what did I say? Josh McCown? That's not what I meant Josh to say. McCown? Uh, yeah, I meant to say Josh McDaniels. Yeah. Um, the, 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 the offenses are completely different. So the fact that Brady's now catching up and it seems like he, you know, he came into that second half and they were like, oh, yeah. This is Tom Brady. Um, <laughs> and yeah, the, I mean, the Chargers look good. Herbert looks good. Unfortunately, what happened to Tyrod, you know, I kind of, I, I didn't think it was, yeah. it was as serious as what it was. They said punctured lung, but I was like, oh, I mean, it was a syringe. So like, I'm sure he's fine, but it turns out it was a lot worse than I had uh, first imagined. And so, which yeah. no, isn't Herbert playing the way he's, yeah. And with Justin Herbert playing the way he is, I, I don't think... And the severity of Tyrod's injury, yeah. I don't think you. I think this season's yeah, out of the I question to get for to him. That because in the first game it happened, um, I think that was a Chiefs game, right? And um, yeah. you said 
it's Herbert's team now. And I was like, eh, let's wait, because we didn't know the severity of the whole tie rod issue. We knew it was a fluke thing. Um, and then I said that, I mean, eventually this young kid's going to get exposed. And he looks good. So it really sucks for Tyrod to lose his job like that. But I think it's Herbert's team. And I would love to see him with Mike Williams back on the field to have another option. Yep. But yeah, it, it's it's over for Tyrod in L.A., sadly. Yeah, and it Before sucks to go out that started. way because this will probably be his last stop. Um, yeah. on, I mean, he's been in the league for a while now. This is his fourth team, so it'll probably yeah. be his last stop. But it's his last just chance and, to be like a starter. Yeah, and I and I when it I feel like shit because when it happened, I was kind of joking about it. I was like, like what happened? And kind of <laughs> like laughed about it. And then after we got done with the show, I kind of looked into it more and realized how severe the injury was. And I was like, well, I'm a piece of shit for putting that on the record. Um. <laughs> And then when we had talked about it again, I was like, well, I was, you know, I was just like, oh, well, you're right. You, cause you had said it's, you know, for Tyrod to go out cause of a medical team mistake, he should have his job back when he comes back. And then I thought about it and I was like, yeah, you're absolutely right. He should. But after that chiefs game and now the way Justin's been playing, it's kind of like, yeah. yeah. So I think I think yeah. it's going to be his job. Um, let's transition though from Brady, who we thought was washed and kind of has come back the last couple of weeks to show that he is Tom Brady. To you called it. This is the Joe Dorville called it corner. The Saints <laughs> and Drew Brees. Drew um, Brees. Uh, I wish I knew his middle name because I'd say it right about now. Um, but Drew looked good. They beat. But don't get me wrong. Drew. Yeah, they good beat the week. Detroit Lions, but I mean, good. He looked passable. He, good as in he at least threw three passes over twenty yards. He attempted three passes over twenty. Yeah. Yards. Yes, he, he did. That's two true. Three of those. Um, versus last week where he had zero attempts over three yards. But um, as you do with a older quarterback, you surround him with a. Plethora of running backs and good running game, and um, Latavius Murray, the powerhouse himself, coming through. Lat Murray, Alvin Kamara, um, and so I tallied up all the touches by any running back, fullback, not including Taysom Hill because I don't know what he is. But um, thirty-nine touches between them on runs and catches. So, and I think Drew only threw it twenty-five times. Um, that yeah, is he how only you had keep, 25 attempts. I am really good with photographic memory. That is how you keep your old quarterback young. You get the ball out of his hand. You get good guys around him, skilled guys around him to make plays so that he doesn't have to effort too much. But um, he did look good yeah. as well. That one interception wasn't his fault. Anyways. No, I it don't. wasn't. You're right about that. And um, uh, Alvin Kamara... Um, if we're going to talk about paying running backs, I think Alvin Kamara is the one that you'd pay. Um, exactly. Matthew Stafford, they again, put everything on his shoulders. 31 attempts, um, 17 to 31, three touchdowns, got so. sacked three times. Yeah, 17 to 31. But um, it's, I mean, I, I I feel like Matthew Stafford's talent has been wasted in Detroit. Yeah, um, I'm sure there's a lot of people that, our Detroit fans, I would agree by with their me. Running game because they have Peterson, Carryon Johnson, and Swift, and they don't know who is the starting running back. Basically, 
<laughs> yeah, and it's weird. Um, I saw this weird stat a couple years, like a year ago, maybe two years ago, and it, there's no way it, it can't still be happening. It's been like almost a decade since the Detroit Lions have had a 100-yard rusher. Like um, average 100 yards a game or something like that. Oh, I don't know. Average, some weird yeah, stat. No. I was going to yeah, say, I think Carrion got 100 last year, and he was like the first 100-yard rusher they had in a, a little while. Then that's what I'm talking. Okay. So then, yeah, because I must have seen the stat two years ago or maybe last year sometime before he did it. But yeah, it's, they, they just, and again, you know me, I'm going to say it all stems from the offensive line. They need more offensive line help, but that's just always, it's not a matter. I don't care how good your running back is. No, Saquon I think Barkley. It's if you don't have someone who can block, then. Yeah, well, coach. Matt, Patricia, Matt Patricia had such little to do with the laminate, Patriots' success on defense. The man who's writing on laminate paper but has a pencil in his ear <laughs> and has won in his three to four years there only nine, I think ten, because I think they, did they get a win this year yet? Yeah. They have a win. So I think he has either nines or 10 wins in his three, four years there, which is the same amount of wins that Jim Caldwell had in his last season there. And they said that was unacceptable. Yeah. Remember he beat the uh, cards and that's what we're actually going to oh, great correct. transition. I, great I segue on that show. Look, because so that's actually going to push us <laughs> to the cards losing again this week by uh, mm-hmm. to Carolina. And, and I don't know. Beef everyone, with the cards. everyone blew all this fucking smoke again this whole year that they were going to be <laughs> great. And they had a chance to be the dark horse for the playoffs and the Super Bowl and blah, 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 blah. Oh, wait. There's a reason they had the number one pick last year. Kyler Murray's great. Kyle Grand, wonderful. That team is not as awesome as the hype. They're the Browns of last year. That's exactly what's happening. They're the Browns of last year. Uh, Go ahead. That's all I, I got to say, say about that. The Browns of last year. Um, because the Browns were like, people thought they were going to like win the division stuff. But, um, I think people I mean, thought the Cardinals played in an easier the, division. I think the Browns are in a what? No, I said, if the Cardinals were in an easier division, everyone would be saying that oh, about them oh, too. Okay. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. But, um, I think the thing with the cards, um, their defense is not that great. Um, but I do think, I don't, I don't know what the hell happened with the offense this week. Um, in the first two weeks, in the last two weeks, sorry, Kyler threw well over 300 yards, had well over 300 yards of intended air yards. This week he only had 213. I don't know why they decided to be less aggressive in moving the ball down the field. So, yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, you say their defense isn't that good or isn't that great. Yeah. When you let Teddy two gloves rack up 276 yards and two touchdowns and I was saying Carol- dance for another one. Carolina is missing their star player, Christian McCaffrey, yeah. their go to guy who some crazy statistic like accounts for 91 percent of the offensive snaps. He's on the field. They still racked up 168 yards rushing. Mike Davis on my fantasy like, team. There you go. Like that, <laughs> that Cardinals defense is not, and I, you know, I like some of their players, but they're just not, they need to figure something out because all that hype that they had, and I don't think it was well-founded. And so I, no. you know, I don't think, I, I think, think they'll be a good, good team. I think they'll be, weeks. 
I think they'll be a decent team. I don't think they're going to run away with any sort of accolades this year. I think everyone needs to chill. Kyler Murray needs to get his, you know, we need to take needs to take his licks and then they'll come back stronger next year. I don't, you know, I don't think they're going to be some powerhouse. This all stems from your personal vendetta between Kyler because he got more. Gardner Minshew should have won Rookie of the Year. God damn it! <laughs> should have been Miles Sanders or Josh Jacobs, but nobody respects a running back position. Anymore. I wish it was Miles Sanders. I had him on my fantasy team. They wouldn't run him. Yeah. Um. All, all right. right. Let's Do talk about the big news. The big news of the weekend. Yeah. Do you know what's going on with uh, Jalen Ramsey and Golden so Tate? So I did some digging before you actually even put this on the rundown. I, I was reading a story. Okay, good. Because I, I heard about this when I was driving into work. So I was hoping you were going to you were going to look into it. Okay. So, yeah. So I forgot. I knew Jalen was dating somebody's sister, but I forgot it was Golden Tate's sister. And they have two kids. And apparently there's some family stuff. And yeah, at the end of the game, they got into a scuffle. Yeah. And apparently Jalen like was throwing at him, like not like a pushing match. Like Jalen was like throwing hands at him, like trying to like knock him out. Trying to take him out. <laughs> oh, trying to take Jaylen. him out. I, I mean, have fun with that Rams fans as a, as a former uh, fan <laughs> of Jalen's team. You guys can have it. I know he's a shutdown corner and I know he's great for your defense, but you can have the only it. person he's gonna fight is Golden Tate. I think it's fine. I think they'll take that. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you'd take that. <laughs> too, yeah, I take yeah, I take that too. He's probably fast <laughs> as hell, but he's so little. Yeah. Um uh, I wanted to point out something from this game though. Um Aaron Donald um yes. is gonna get my MVP vote. I don't have an MVP vote vote, <laughs> but if I did have an MVP vote. It would go to Aaron Donald. This dude is a monster. And his stats don't back it up, but that's because they're double and triple teaming him, which opens up the floodgates for everyone else on that defense. Uh, he's yeah. he's awesome. He, I've Very rarely when I watch games am I in awe of a player. Of a defender. Like, I mean, they're great <laughs> players. Yeah, especially of a defender. Um, but he, the, the way he controls... Defender? the line of scrimmage and just how much respect they have to give him. They literally have to put two and three offensive linemen, grown ass men on him to slow him down. <laughs> it's insane. The, the, the and again, Rams his stats won't back it up, but yeah, I was going to say the Rams defense is only functional because he exists. Exactly. Five sacks, and those are all accredited. While he doesn't have the stats up from those five sacks, it's all accredited because they have to double and triple team him. So then everyone yeah. else can, you know, you're one on one. You can run free. Some of the time they're running free. Um, I like the Rams. Um, I really like um, what the Rams are doing, and they were nine and seven last year. It's not like they were garbage. They missed the playoffs because of the division they're in. Um, Cooper Cup yeah. had a couple of drops though that were kind of like, "What are you doing?" Um, ended up with five mm -hmm. receptions and a touchdown, but he had a couple of drops. Robert Woods looks great, um, and I'm happy for Robert Woods um, coming contract. out of. Uh, yeah, well, that's the thing is when he first came out. Um, he was kind of, he, he, I think he got hurt a couple of times, um, cause he's been in the league now seven years. So he, yeah. Mm. And now he finally had his breakout, breakout he years. At, he, uh, he hasn't LA. always been in St. Louis. Uh, he was drafted. LA. No, he was drafted by uh Buffalo in the second round in 2013 out of USC. 
Yeah. Uh, but he just else. couldn't get it going. He, you know, he's getting hurt a couple, he got hurt a couple of times and he just couldn't and get Buffalo it going. And now, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, well, the time did. Buffalo was hot <laughs> garbage. Now you better bite your tongue. Buffalo's Buffalo's Ooh. the team to beat now, baby. Or no. Now they get into the tough part right. of the schedule. Let's um let's transition into what what you and I both are I would say experts in. Um no, yeah. I'm just kidding. You more so than me. The NBA Finals. Jimmy Butler heard the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Somebody sound the alarm. Jimmy Butler heard the podcast. Uh, Jimmy goes off 40 and a triple double. 40 and a triple double. Um no three pointers. Can you believe it? No three pointers. Uh, the uh, I think the only guard to have a triple double with no threes since the three point has been. Invented. How are you not as excited as I am about this? He didn't shoot a three because and he I scored think forty. Is, I think this is all for naught. I think this is the equivalent of AI going off for forty eight against the Lakers in 2001 finals. That's a good pull. That's a good pull. And they get the one game, and you have that moral victory, like, yeah, we can be here, but yeah, it's they... they, Let's not have... uh, uh, What's the damn term I'm looking for? Recency bias, because... Yeah. The Lakers did still beat I was them on stoked. Friday. <laughs> I know. I was just Everybody, so happy when Butler went off. It's the most recent thing, and I love Jimmy Butler as much as the next guy, and he keeps trying to prove me wrong. I said he wasn't that great a scorer, and then he dropped 40 with no triples. Um, but when I say he's not that great a scorer, it's because he won't take triples. Um, yeah. <laughs> he, he can't expand well, so you're, his game. You're going to say it's a flash... It's a flash in the pants because I don't think he can yeah. for him to replicate this in another game is going to he would essentially have to be LeBron. It's impossible when Kyrie and Kevin Love went out just dropping 40 a night in the finals. Yeah, it's I don't think it's possible for him to replicate it. I uh, was super happy for him. And the whole rundown for the NBA finals that we have for this episode was kind of all tied into that whole concept, which is. You know, Jimmy Butler going off and we want to give him props for that. But without with, you know, Bam is Bam coming back. Bam was questionable. I think last time I saw Bam him, sh- uh, he should. They're hoping he's back for game four. And uh, drunk. What is know. his name? Gorn. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think this whole thing can be summed up with exactly what you just said. Um, it was awesome to see. I wish Jimmy Butler would fucking fight everybody on the court. I love him <laughs> so much, the passion that he brings and how he was. They had to cut the sound in that game so many times because he was just getting in LeBron, just yeah, talking just mad noise. Um, but it's not, there's no, I mean, Eric Spolster can do whatever he wants. He's a great coach, but uh, I even wrote in the rundown, I said, is he making the right adjustments? But you you said it. There is no adjustment. Jimmy Butler is not going to do this again. Like, yeah. it's... A series is over and it pains me to say that. Yeah. And I, I love to do a little, you know, Cinderella story. Everybody knows I love the underdog, but I don't, I don't, I don't think they get another win. Um, See, and that's the thing, not my issue with the underdog, but sometimes you gotta, you gotta cherish the moments you do have. Getting one off this Laker team with their two of your top three scores out, like that's the victory. 
That's what you celebrate. You hold yeah. that and you're like, we took down their head. If only for one game, we were able to do it. But yeah, I mean, it'll be a miracle on an ice situation if they win four out of seven. Full disclosure, um, Joe can say whatever he wants, but I still believe in the heat because I've got bets on the heat in five, six and seven. So, <laughs> well, that's because you are a gambling underdog as well. Um, I got a couple <laughs> stats here. It's almost um, like I have an addictive personality. I don't know what that is. I don't know. Uh, AD has to be better, more assertive, stay out of foul trouble. Um, the Lakers can't get a rebound. 40%. That guy. Yeah. Um, the Lakers shot 40% on uncontested shots, whereas Miami scored 49. I think that's a big stat as you guys as well documented because you got to make the open ones. Jimmy was six for six when contested. That is the dog in him. Um, AD and LeBron combined for 13 turnovers. Yeah, I'm allowed to say that. AD and LeBron, uh, accounted for 13 turnovers. That cannot be functional. And Jimmy only missed six shots, and that's when he was guarded by Kuzma and Markeith Morris. He was two for Get two when LeBron here. guarded him and had four assists in that scenario. So, yeah, the man was he was he was on one. Let's just say that. Yeah, we could put it. You could put it that way. He was definitely on one. <laughs> he was on. Uh. But no, I'm happy for all the right. Heat. I'm happy for Heat fans uh, get all of this yeah. glory. But realistic expectation, folks. You, you, do you really think LeBron's going to let this happen another okay. year? Okay, you, you, you fans of Joe, Lakers listen to that realistic take, expectations. <laughs> the Lakers did take a lead like with seven minutes left, and it took a Herculean effort by Jimmy to just keep driving to the basket, keep getting fouled, keep hitting free throws. And uh, some help there by uh, Tyler Hero. Not a ton by Duncan Robinson. Kenny o- Kelly Olynyk is having himself a two-game spurt right now. Um, I don't know if that's yeah, sustainable. Yeah, and it's funny because if the Heat would have played like this against the Celtics, the Celtics would be in the finals. They can't drain. Yeah. They can't buy a shot, it seems like, Hero and Robinson. When, when yeah. they were playing the Celtics, they were draining everything. So I... I agree. I mean, that's the problem with the with shooting with shooters. You know, just ask the Magic in two thousand nine. You know, if you get oh. cold, that's it. It's over. Wow, what a shot! <laughs> Speaking a of shot. Miami, I know hey. that you are not watching college football. But speaking no, of I'm South not. Florida, Miami Hurricanes are back, baby. That's going to be the super hot in the headphones. Are- Potentially back. I'm not going to say they're back until they actually are Come back. on, man. Commit to it. It feels good. <laughs> it, look, I've been duped one too many times. Uh, I know. We say look, every year, it seems like at beat, the start of the season, we go, is Notre Miami Dame, back? <laughs> when they got game day in Miami and they beat Notre Dame, they trounced Notre Dame. I think it was 41 to 8. Um, Some crazy like that. And then we lost the pit. I can't. I can't give them my heart that way anymore. I can't give them my it heart happens. that way anymore. They. I lost mean, the big the test pit. is going to be next week against Clemson, but they they <laughs> waxed FSU. Next week, that's this week. Um, eighteen boy. Louisville. Yeah, yeah, eighteen. Oh, yeah, that is this week. I keep forgetting it's yeah. not the weekend anymore. Um, Seven thirty. Uh, 
put up 47 against Louisville, put up 31 against UAB. Um, it's going to be that Clemson game, 7.30 on ABC, um, October yeah, 10th. And, uh, I we'll wrote down, what, this we'll is effectively, made don't, don't believe what the rankings say, because right now we're seventh in the ranking, but Ohio State is ahead of us, and they haven't played a game at all. And Notre Dame is ahead of us, and they haven't played since September 19th because of COVID. So this is effectively a one versus five matchup I have it as. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, let's talk about that. You, you're saying disregard the rankings, and I agree with you because there was some um, – I've got it written down in the rundown. There are, there are a bunch of top 25 upsets this weekend. A lot of upsets, um, but, and a lot of teams that haven't played that are in the rankings. Like, how, how do we know what they are? <laughs> Yeah, and so it's it's been bizarre. Um, just a couple of um, things I wanted to touch on as far as uh, upsets um, this past weekend in uh, college football. So going through it, um, some of the obvious teams won. Clemson won. Alabama won. Um, but like uh, oh, uh, Mississippi ended up losing after that Mississippi, uh, State. Mississippi State after that big yeah after that big showing against LSU. Um, and I had some other informations, but all my stats just I have it right here. Out UCF fell out of the Go top ahead. twenty-five. Yeah. Mississippi State, Oklahoma. They, fell, wait, they lost. Oklahoma. I know they lost. Did they fall oh, out of the top twenty-five? Yes, out of the top twenty-five. Um, wow. Oklahoma out of the top twenty-five for the first time since like oh nine or something. I might be wrong on that, but boy, Lincoln Riley really wish he took that Cowboys job. Pitt out of the top 25, <laughs> Memphis out of the top 25, and Texas should be out of the top 25, but they're still in after that loss to TCU. That's insane. All right, so a lot of upsets going around. Um, FAU, my alma mater, played their first game this weekend. Uh, looked, Woo! I can see why they, I can see oh, why they uh, ran him. I don't know what you did last oh. week. It scared me. <laughs> I can see why they ran Taggart out of Florida State though. Um he wants he runs this weird spread style but wants to pound the rock. So he runs out of the shotgun with one tight end but then wants to do power runs. It's it's bizarre to watch. It looks so topsy turvy. He needs a much more athletic quarterback. We have a transfer from Florida. Um, does not look nearly as athletic as he needs to be to run this offense. Defense look good. Uh, Bemba don't break. Um, but anyway, FAU season finally win? started. First game, huh? Did you guys win? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Conf- I didn't know. Leading Conference USA again, third year in a row. So we'll see what happens. But it's nerve wracking to watch. I'm too passionate about this, and we'll get into it in the walk off <laughs> because you enlightened me to how I'm a psycho when it comes to cheering for certain teams. <laughs> um, and I just right. need to chill it's out. Like I, tr- I tried. And you'd be surprised how quick. And- quick, Mayman hits. Quick hit. Quick, quick hits. hits. Quick hits. Here we go. So Hello. let's do it. Um. You take the first one because this is your question. All right. First things first. Is it fair that the Pats have to play without Cam while Tennessee gets their game rescheduled? Is it more beneficial to have more people at risk and exposed to COVID? Um, I think it's, I think the way they were looking at it was the fact that for the uh, Patriots, it was just, wasn't it just Cam that was out? Yes. And, and for the the Titans, it's it's eight players now, eleven players now. So I Something mean, it makes like sense. <clears throat> um, 
I mean, it's financially, it's more beneficial to put everyone at risk. They would trust me with, (laughs) you know, this with the fantasy element and with the betting element, the owners and the, the seating element, like in the stadiums, owners would love to say, screw it and just open everything back up. Um, but I don't, I, I don't know as far as if it's beneficial for the teams, because God forbid, if someone dies from this, it's going to be terrible. Exactly. But I just think, I mean, everybody thought New England, I think New England was a seven point underdog going into this game. And that was with Cam seven and a half. Yeah. And then you forced them to play a game without their starting quarterback and they flew in day of the game and it's like super bizarro um, that they just were like, screw it, we're just going to have this game regardless. Whereas Tennessee, clearly it's more beneficial to have more people exposed because then you can get it. Oh, I see. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree with you. It's more beneficial. If you're, if you only have one or two guys that get it, they're going to be scratched like an injury. But if you have five or six guys that get it. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. I misunderstood what you were saying. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree with you. It's way more beneficial to have your half your team get it than it is to have one or two guys get it. Saying like, it's fucked up that it's more beneficial to get yeah, more that's, people exposed. Fucking horrific. <laughs> yeah. Um, this was the question that, uh, so full disclosure to the audience, Joe and I got into <laughs> a little bit of an argument and by Joe and I, I mean, I took what Joe said the wrong way and got super sensitive and buttered about it and endearing. started Did making what endearing meant. <laughs> I, yeah. And I, I know what endearing means. Um, we were watching uh, the college games and everyone knows Joe is a Miami university of Miami fan. And I am a FAU fan and Joe said something that was actually nice, but I took it as um, very uh, kind of sarcastic and got super defensive yeah. And then we got, but it actually led to something really good. It led to uh, what my walk off will be about later. Um, And something you had said to me, which, which really enlightened me was you said um, it's about branding and marketing for some, I think you said you used the word branding was that uh, you were talking about Miami and you said Miami's a national brand. And as soon as I read that, it got the wheels turning in my head. And I was like, that makes a lot more sense when you think about it like that. And so my my question for Quick Hits is, does branding and marketing account for why some teams are always considered better than others? And I, the reason I posed this was because of... Um, so Appalachian State, when they went into the big house and beat Michigan, when they were mm-hmm. still a one double A team playing for a smaller division one school um, and beating. So like on ESPN the other day, it was Memphis and SMU. We just smashed SMU last year. FAU did. And we beat Memphis in a bowl game. But for some reason, we're on some obscure ESPN channel and they're on <laughs> ESPN two. And then like the Dallas Cowboys get talked about on first take every godforsaken day. And they're yeah, one in three. The they should finals. be zero and four. Yeah. And it's like, and so that's what I kind of, I actually had this, it was a very long winded, like two or three questions and then Joe consolidated (laughs) it into one concise sentence, but that's something I wanted to pose to you. And I mean, it's not, I don't know how much of a question it is because it's obvious, but what's your opinion on marketing? Like, like I'm not trying to rub in your face, but like FIU beat Miami last year and no one's even heard of FIU though. But it's like, I'm just saying, but it's a point that I'm trying to make. Like I thought we were friends. Like, We are, but it's just, you understand what I'm saying is I tell people I go to FAU or went to FAU and they're like, oh, didn't they beat Miami? It's like, how do you beat a powerhouse top ranked team and nobody even knows the name of your school? 
<laughs> so um, you have the floor. Okay, so the reason I do b- believe branding and marketing uh, distorts perception and reality is because name recognition. You put a name in front of somebody enough times, you put that logo in front of somebody enough times, it be they wouldn't sell a bad team. And it comes with prestige, longevity. When Miami first started out, started being good in football, um, out of the Big East, before we got to the Big East, um, no one knew who we were until we started, until Snellenberger got there and started winning games and then winning continuously for years and years and years and years until you win a national championship and everybody's like, oh, this team is good. And then you win another one like, oh, this team is good. And it just sticks in your mind like, okay, this is what a good team looks like. This is a, this logo, this brand, this uh, you had San Francisco. San Francisco hasn't won a Super Bowl since fucking 1990 something with Steve Young. But we always still think they're good because of the Joe Montana, the Steve Young, the Bill Walsh era, the Steelers. They've won in recent years, but they're talked about as one of those model franchises because of all the winning in the 70s. New England is going to be that for years to come because of 20 years of Tom Brady and Belichick. When you, it doesn't come from nowhere, even though it eventually withers away with like you see with the Cowboys now. But once it's in the, the, the mentality of the consumer it just lives like that for a generation essentially. Yeah. And it's, and it's, um, crazy to me to think because I mean we all saw the documentary The You the 30 for 30 and before Chanel got there they were like giving away tickets at Burger King like they said they would have stacks like you'd go into Burger King to get lunch and there'd be stacks of tickets to just take so I I get it's just it's one of those things where um, another example sorry to cut you off go ahead no go ahead another example uh, Florida State was a woman's college before Bobby Bowden got there and then they eventually got a football team and Bobby Bowden gets there and then turns them into a national power. Now, no one even knows they were a woman's college. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and I think I, and I'll, like I said, I've got my whole walk off is kind of centered around this whole idea of marketing and uh fair weather fans, not, not diehard fans of, of establishments, but like people who are like hanger ons. But um, it's just one of those weird things because what it, what it took was me and you talking about it for me to kind of realize like, oh yeah, like these teams have at one point won and that's why they were thrust into the spotlight. And now they're mm-hmm. just kind of a part of the fabric of society. Cause like UCF was my big example because it was like, yeah, they went undefeated. They beat Auburn. Like they played in a, um, a new year six game. Like they, they're a good team. And then, I mean, if I wish they wouldn't have fucking lost this weekend because then my point would have been more suitable but <laughs> but you know it's still one of those things where it's like University of Central Florida or like when we I played against uh, when FAU played against USF and they were six in the nation with Grothy and JPP and like that that mm-hmm. big team like it was it was a great time and they were they were a really good team that year but then they fell off almost immediately after so of course no one's yeah, going to remember a, that that's the thing it's sustained success um I'll give you two examples real fast, but um, I think it was GW, George Washington, or was it George Mason that uh, Larry Nega got to the final four, like one uh, explosion, but then you fleet it, it fleets. UCF, you brought up UCF. Scott Frost, if he would have stayed at UCF, he could have sat there and built something, 
But he instead went to the quote unquote establishment that he with his alma mater, Nebraska, to try to go build over there. And it's failing and at that versus staying at UCF. There, yeah, exactly. Staying at UCF where he could have turned them into a national power. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And it's just frustrating. Um I, as you saw firsthand, I get so sensitive about it where I'm just kind of like, no, screw you guys. My team is good. But it's just it's weird how Brandon and it's not just college. Fo- I mean, it's everywhere. The Everyone knows the Yankees. Everyone knows the Cowboys. Everyone yep. knows the Steelers. Everyone knows Florida. Everyone knows Ohio State. Lakers, and sometimes these teams. Yeah. Sometimes these teams aren't good. And it's like, like, look at the Red Sox yeah. this year. They're they're trash. They're hot garbage. Kevin Clark had a, a really good point. He's um, a, a writer for the uh, the Ringer um, in their NFL show, and he said something that was really enlightening. So basically, he heard it from a TV executive when he asked him. Why would you put Eagles 49ers on as the late game? Like that doesn't make any sense. And the TV executive told him the average consumer does not understand who's good and who's bad till at least week six to week eight. So when they see 49ers Eagles, they think, oh, they just won the Super Bowl a few years ago and the 49ers were just in the Super Bowl. They have no concept of the injuries or what's going on this year or anything like that. And it's so hard for me, as obsessed as I am with sports and kind of my passion for it, it's so difficult for me to wrap my mind around someone not understanding like what's happening right now in the moment. <laughs> so yeah, that's no, why like when uh, things I like, like you, that happen, I just am like, what? Yeah, I like you. I'm uh, super perplexed by people that don't follow or uh, keep up with sports, especially not to be sexist, but especially men that don't keep up or follow with sports. I'm like, wait, so what do you talk about or do? Like, huh? What? Because yeah. sports is such woven into the fabric of my life because I have four older brothers. And that's like one of the things we will always talk about no matter what is going on. But um, to your uh, the longer question you had originally, um, you talked about the a- NFC NFC East, which is my division versus your division, the AFC South. And I think, um, again, it goes back to longevity and name recognition and location in that sense, because the Giants are in New York. The Giants were a successful franchise in the 90s and have had recent success. The Cowboys, big in the 90s, they're in Texas and they're quote unquote branding America's team. The Eagles is in that division. They play against those team Washington in the nation's capital versus the Titans who moved from Texas to Tennessee and they don't have a long a new, history. One franchise. Appearance. Yeah. Um, the Texans of franchise that came out of nowhere. Um, the Jags got here in 97 have made two AFC championships. But other than that, a bit of a floundering mediocre team. Yeah. And I'm um, sorry to say it. And then um, no, who else? the Colts, the Colts are the only quote unquote storied franchise in that division. And they haven't really they've been good since Payman left. But with Luck's injuries and now his retirement, like they're kind of not exemplary anymore. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And it's, I think what it really boils down to, the more that I kind of looked inside myself and like was thinking about it is longevity. Like the Florida Gators have been around for over a hundred years. So yeah. obviously, you know, Miami's been around since the, they've had football since the sixties. So it's, I mean, mm-hmm. it makes sense that like these teams, it's just bizarre to me because 
sometimes I, I look and all, like I said, I've got the whole walk off about kind of that whole concept. And, you know, there's certain accomplishments that teams have. And then you just like, you know, I just, they don't get covered. And I'm just kind of like Gardner Minshew is a top five quarterback in every statistical aspect, but obviously the team's not playing very well. So it's like no one even mentions him, but Kyler fucking Murray gets talked about every other show on ESPN. And it's like, what the My shit is going is on? Breeze and Butler, your beef is with Kyler Murray. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, speaking of football, though, I just wanted, I posed this question just because it was interesting to me because uh, two weeks ago, the Cowboys went on it, uh, went for two down by nine. And then this past weekend um, with my Jags down by 14, they went for two. Um, so I wanted to ask you, do you think uh, some coaches are relying on analytics too much or do you think the numbers speak for themselves? Um. So this was an interesting question because, especially in the two point conversion scenario, um, and I heard it uh, explained very well because if you go for the two point conversion, because if you're playing to win one, you have to go for a two point conversion on one of your two touchdowns. If you get one of the two touchdowns in the end of the game, if you're down 14. So if you go for it the first time and you don't get it, at least you know what you have to do. Now you know you have to get a two-point conversion the next time. But if you kick the field goal the first time and then the next time you go and then you have to make it there, it kind of screws up the math because you can kick a... It, it basically, you go into, I could just kick a field goal and tie it versus I have to score to win. Yeah. My... my um. I, and I completely understand that. My whole thing was that um, I think something's going to happen with the analytics. So the way the numbers are, because my brother, who's very smart, went to Cornell, has a PhD, very intelligent man. He told me once when we were playing Madden many years ago, he goes, he went for it on fourth. And I said, no, you have to punt because I don't have to do anything. I'm going to go for it. And this was a decade ago. And I was like, what do you mean? You can't just, you can't just go for it. And he goes, listen, statistically speaking, if you go for it on every fourth down, if you go for two every single time, you're statistically going to score more points in the long run. And it, like this was, oh, cause I'm 32 now. So this was even longer. This is 15 years ago. He tells me this. So now looking at it, when I see teams doing this kind of stuff, I'm like, oh, this is, this is my brother's taking Madden all over again. But what I think yeah. is going to happen is I think, the more people start going for two, because I understand what the numbers say. It says, okay, you have a, you have a like 47% chance or a 52% chance of making it. If you go for two, you have a 94% chance if you kick the field goal. Well, if you go for two twice and yada, 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 and the way the numbers all stack up. But what I think is going to happen is coaches are going to start going for it more and more on fourth down. They're going to start going for the two point conversions more often. And those numbers are going to get skewed. You know what I mean? Like it's going to come back down to earth. I think the numbers are the way they are now is because it does, they don't go for it all the time. Does that make sense? Um, it makes sense, but I'll say this. Um, it's kind of like the three point shot in the NBA before yeah. the Warriors really changed the math. The three point shot was really reserved for your like specialty guy. Your main players didn't really take it. Your long twos, mid range jumpers and all that. But then you realize that this point, even if we don't make it all the time, it still is worth 66% more than the other shot. Yeah. So if we take more cracks at it and we make enough of it, we're going to even out the score, if not flood the score. 
Yeah. No, I completely agree. So you just if want to I give yourself coach, more opportunities at scoring. I would be Dallas Carter from Friday Night Lights. The Dallas Carter team, I would never punt. I would never, I wouldn't even have a kicker on the damn roster if I coached football. Yeah. We would go for it on everything. And I mean, analytics or not, I I would just like to do that because I honestly think, like, have you ever like been watching a game and it's like fourth and 20 and you're like, oh, this is over. And then they get it. Like, oh my God, I wish I could have that feeling all the time. That's insane. You ever That's see a- it's fourth and two and then they don't go for it and then you're uh, like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or they go for it and they don't get it, and you're like, it's two yards. Oh, yeah. That's like, even more upsetting. It's, it's two yards. At, at that point, I think it comes down to play calling because me and my me and one of my roommates have talked about this a couple times that uh teams, when it's say fourth and two, and you're drawing up a play that is designed to get you three yards, it's easier to stop versus if you just decide, like, hey, let's run a five, let's run a 10 yard post and just get a bunch of yards at once. Because yeah. no one's going to, I mean, people are less expecting that versus like, oh, we're just going to run a jet sweep to the right and that gets stuck. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They, uh, yeah, they, they, defensive players get paid too, like we talked about before. Yeah. Well, let's move on to your, your baby, the Major League Baseball playoffs. <laughs> Rays went down. Rays went down hard today. We did it. Um, I should have downloaded the uh, Door of the Explorer. We did it. Um, So the Marlins beat the Cubbies. Uh, We've moved on to divisional round. I just want to give everybody an update on the divisional round. Uh, Like you said, Yanks beat the Rays today, uh, sadly. Um, Who else played? Uh, The Astro beat the A's in that. What was going on with that brawl? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, that was a ten I saw a five highlight. Wasn't there a big fight? Yeah. Was there? I don't know. I didn't see that. That game oh, was on like as yeah. I was driving I, home and there was football. When on. I was at the gym, I uh, saw a highlight. Oh no, they were probably showing a recap from the game uh, earlier this season. There was a brawl between. Uh, oh, okay, that's what it was. Loriano okay. and one of the uh, hitting coaches, uh, just showing that these teams have bad blood. But um, and then you have the Braves and the Marlins who start tomorrow. In the NLDS, and our fucking matchups are going head to head: Padres versus the Doyers um, in their head to head matchup in the NLDS. Here we so go. Brennan has Rays versus Dodgers. I have Padres versus Dodgers. If not the Marlins versus the Dodgers, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> wow, <laughs> you so, know yeah. what I'm saying. <laughs> and then you wanted to. Uh... That's our baseball update, everyone. We're, we're going to get more into it once it gets once our once the real teams kind of come out. You want to uh, talk about your uh, aces? WNBA. Um, WNBA Let's update. Go. We're in the finals. I called it the Las Vegas Aces beat the Connecticut it. Sun to move on. The A's are playing the Aces, not the A's. The Aces are playing the Seattle Storm, who I picked the win. Seattle is up 2-0. Uh, I don't think this is going to be a sweep. I think it'll go at least five, if not six, because Asia Wilson, I don't think is going to go out like that. But um, yeah, just want to give you a WNBA update. Oh, also in one of those games, I think it was game one of the finals. Sue Bird had a WNBA record with 16 assists in that game. I just saw that. Sue Bird is still out here killing shit. Um, put some respect on her name, please. But uh, yeah, shout out to the storm. 
Is Sue, um, this, I'm going to sound, I'm going to show how much I don't watch the WNBA. Is that Larry Bird's daughter? She's not related to Larry Bird. Really? She's not related to Larry Bird, no. Oh, I thought you were messing with me. So there's two white people that were professional basketball players, both with the last name Bird, and they are not related. They're not related. Wow. I'm pretty sure she's not related. Now you got to make, I, I know I'm pretty, I'm, I'm confident. She, you will look, look it up after this episode. We'll print a retraction on Thursday, if anything, but I'm almost certain she's not related to Larry Bird. I think, yes, it's just happenstance. Um, so I'm not going to wait till after the episode. Uh, turns out Sue Bird <laughs> chose Larry Bird is her height and her amazing basketball skills and her last name. No, Sue Bird and Larry Bird are not related. Get the funk out of here. Yeah. That's nuts. So, all right. All right. Since you brought up right. Sue Bird, though, I will say Sue Bird is, I don't know if they're married yet, but at least dating Megan Rapino. Shout out. Power couple. Shouts out. Power couple. All right. Time for the walk off. That's okay. You can smile. It's okay. Especially for mine, since I've cried at two of the last, what is it, episode is this for? <laughs> for Mondays? Yeah, for Monday, this is the fourth one, I think. This, uh, yeah. We should have probably discussed this. Who's going first? I don't know. Do you want to go first? Who went first last time? I went first last time. Look, I did. No, I went first went last first time, because remember? So I'll yeah. go first this time. All right. Okay. Mine is titled Bottom Feeders. Before we start, just Bottom because we feeders. won't, I don't like to interrupt you. Um, this is a per the, the the title at least is a personal attack on me. I feel like um, just wanted to get that out there. <laughs> Has nothing to do with you. I, All right. I now no more in interruptions. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. The title is Bottom Feeders. Bottom feeder, a person. Or thing having low status or value. Loser. That is what Rick Butalico, I don't know if I'm saying his name right, and I don't really care, of NBC Sports Philadelphia called the Miami Marlins after they beat the Phillies two of three of the first series of the MLB season. Now, in most years, no one would pay attention to this. The Marlins have only made the postseason twice since their inception. In 1993, the same year as my birth, this is the third year now in 2020. Uh, they have two World Series since um, I was three and nine. I rooted for them in 2003 to be a thorn in the side of my brother, who was a Yankee fan. But I had no emotional attachment to the team. Never been to a game. But in a round where, in a round, but, boom. Oh, but in a roundabout way. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, I came back to fall in love with this team. Jose Fernandez was on my screen in a disgusting orange jersey, but his smile was contagious. He was supported by an outfield of Giancarlo Stan, who's won an MVP, Christian Yelich, who's won an MVP, and Marcelo Zuna, who is a great player in his own right. All young, but all good in their own right. This moved me to buy MLB The Show and fall back in love with the game of baseball. It brought me back to when I would play Ken Griffey Jr. baseball on N64. I became enthusiastic about the game in this Marlins team. Not a lot to root for, but young guys starting to develop. After I graduated college, I still hadn't been to a game, and then my mom got sick, and my brother, some of my brothers moved back home to help her around the house. I was commuting back and forth uh, every weekend from Jacksonville, 
in one of those trips back home, I brought a bunch of tickets to take me, my older brothers, and some of my nephews. I wanted them to say they had been to a game. It was 2016. The Marlins were making a push for the playoffs and were buyers at the deadline for the first time in forever I could remember. We got to the game. The Marlins were in great form, and they won that game. About a month later, my mom passed. And then a few weeks after that, Jose died in an accident of his own making, but tragic nonetheless. My mom was 61. She came to this country and searched for opportunity for her and her three boys at the time. Me and my other brother were not born yet, obviously. Uh, she ended up in Miami before they even had the Marlins. Jose wore number 16 and came from Cuba and searched for freedom from an oppressive government. This is a long way to crystallize something I haven't said aloud. My grandma was seven when I died. When I died. <laughs> My grandma died when I was seven. And seven became a number I attributed a lot of things to. 61 was the age of my mom. Six plus one. 16 was Jose's number. One plus six equals out to seven. And if you want to cry on your own, look up D. Gordon's home run in their first game back after Jose's passing. But anyway, when the bottom feeders clinched the playoffs... On the four-year anniversary of Jose's death, weeks after the four-year anniversary of my mom's passing, I was over the moon. I was a ball of emotion. My fandom for the team is now tied to the love of my mom in a weird way. Because she rooted for Miami to always succeed, whether it was the Heat, the Dolphins, or the Marlins. She wasn't an active fan, but she had civic pride. So call us whatever you want, but Miami has a spirit of the melting pot of the but Miami has the spirit of the melting pot in the city that has a little Havana, a little Haiti, and an influx of Caribbean cultures from Jamaica to the Dominican Republic to South and Central America. The team has used Bottom Feeder as its rallying cry. Sorry, as its rallying cry, and it's apt because no matter what you throw at us, we will not stop. Beautiful. I didn't realize. Thank you. Thank um, you. I didn't realize. You, I. I mean, I knew you liked the Marlins. I didn't know you liked them like that, though. That look. It's been a. It's been like an on-off thing. But uh, yeah, that twenty. I think it was twenty twelve when they had just got the new stadium. I was like, you know, what, let me, because I had stopped watching baseball kind of altogether, and I was like, let me get back into it. And Stanton was just starting to make a name for himself. Yelich was still a young, skinny twig but a great fucking hitter. And um, then we traded for D Gordon uh, in second base. And Jose was just so fucking awesome. Anytime he was on the mound. Who is, he was the pitcher, right? Yeah, he was the pitcher. What happened to him? Uh, boating accident. Um, he was. Okay. I did remember that. Cause yeah. you said he died of an, in an accident. And I was like, didn't he was he, he was on a boat, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he was on a boat. Okay, I just jagged rocks, um drugs. Yeah, and I stuff. do remember that. God, that was so, yeah. yeah, that was shitty. Uh, well I see I learn a little bit more about you every time every time <laughs> we do these walk offs. I love these walk offs. Yeah, that's okay. Right. Oh, so I'm gonna do mine. Sorry, sorry, let me before, sorry to cut you Go off. Go ahead. I have to read you a message my brother sent me after he listened to our last episode. Uh, he said, I want to give, this is to me. I want to give your co-host a hug. Seems like a cool dude. I'd be his friend, except for the pissing reference. He's a Laker fan. 
<laughs> ah, good stuff. Yeah, these walk-offs are very good into uh, letting people into our psyche yeah. and who we are. Yeah, I think it's a it's a much faster way to get people to know us versus trying to you know be on the air for ten years and a month. You know what I mean? Like instead of trying to yeah. get that, <laughs> let's let's just do these super personal walk-offs so people can figure out who we are off rip. <laughs> All right. So my walk off is entitled Fairweather Fans. Um, and again, the whole inspiration for this was after talking to Joe over the weekend and then reflecting on a few things. Um, I uh, came up with this idea. <clears throat> As everyone knows, I'm a fan of the underdog and I have a unique, almost obsessive passion for my teams. I know this is not the case for most people. Daily, I am surrounded by people who root for teams because they constantly hear about them through ESPN or that particular team is thrust upon them in daily life. The more and more I pondered this, the more and more angry I became. I can only speak to my personal experience, so I will do just that. When discussing this with my co-host, I was overly sensitive to my fandom for FAU football and dismissive towards his passion for UM, the University of Miami. Why was this? And why am I such a baby in regards to fandom? The main reason I would think is my disdain for Fairweather fans and the assumption that everyone who didn't go to a particular school or grow up in a particular area is a Fairweather fan. And this is just not the case. But Growing up in Florida, where football and sports in general are such a huge part of the fabric of social engagement, it is almost necessary for everyone to have a team to root for. I think this is a great thing. I think it's a great thing in and, in and of itself because I think everyone should love sports with the passion that I do. However, it gets tricky in my mind because many times people end up rooting for the team that is the best in their formative years, or they just root for the best team in the state whenever they are good. It makes their fandom fluid. That is something I cannot abide in my own brain. I am not talking about people who grew up in South Florida, so they root for Miami, or the kids whose parents both went to a particular school, so that's who they root for. What I'm talking about is by week four, when Brady has a huge comeback, and now they're Bucks fans. When three years ago, they were yelling Saxonville and Duval. Now they're cheering for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I am, I am talking about the people that were around when I went to FAU who randomly wore the University of Florida, Florida State gear and would say things like, FAU has a football team. Those are the fans, quote unquote, I have no time for. UF and FSU are both public schools in the state of Florida. So if you're truly that big of a fan of those schools, how or why did you end up at FAU? And additionally, if you did end up at FAU because you don't really care one way or the other, why wear another school's gear or say derogatory things to the athletes like we have a football team? Yes. Yes, we do. In fact, FAU started football in the year 2000 under the guidance of the great Howard Schnellenberger, a Hall of Fame coach. It was the fastest program in the history of the NCAA athletics to go from Division I AA to Division I FBS, the quickest team to ever have bowl game eligibility, and is still undefeated in all bowl games it's played, 5-0. and So why is it certain teams get such little respect? I know people love a winner. It is a common phrase in sports that winning cures all ills. So it must be the fact that bigger schools that have had football or any other sports longer have had more of a track record of winning. My alma mater, while I have the most fondness and respect for, cannot compete with national championships of UF, FSU, or 
University of Miami, but they aren't always dominant. And what happens to the fans when they start to spiral like UM last year, losing to FIU or FSU looking abysmal the past few seasons. Yep. You guessed it. These Peripheral fans are now big UF fans doing the Gator Chomp all around the town. In the NFL, Dallas has had a string had a string of Super Bowls and are claimed as America's team, even though they have not won squats since the late nineties. What do I hear every preseason from these quote unquote cowboy fans is how they're a great team and they're gonna go to the Super Bowl and probably win it. But when they start 0-3 or 2-4, I hear nothing from these same piece people in person or on social media. I understand that it is petty. And stupid to hold random people I do not know to these high standards of fandom. But it is my truest belief that if you bail on rooting for a team you claim when they are not doing well, then you have no business to wear the jersey or the logo out in public when they have success. I have a family member that could not care less about football, but when UCF but went to UCF and trust me when they went undefeated and beat Auburn, she was rubbing it in my face, but at least she went there in the end. I think it comes down to branding and marketing. Some of these programs were very good for long stretches and took advantage of that and gained a huge fan base, real fans, diehard fans. And that opens the door for fair weather fans when they are good. It is a part of life, but I am still convinced that if you don't stand by your team in the bad times, then in the good times won't feel as good for you. The biggest thing I learned from Mr. Ratchek and Starship Troopers is something given has no value. Boom. Love your obscure references. I know. That's why I threw that in there. Um, yeah, that last thing you said uh, rang so true because... I've been rooting for the Eagles since 2001, basically. And after 02, when the Bucks won, and then I moved to uh, Central Florida, as it's deemed. I don't know how Daytona area is Central Florida, but it's all 386, baby. Bang, bang. Um, I have a 386 area code. Um, That's right. I grew up. And uh, two of my best friends now are Bucks fans. And every year they would rub it in. Oh, the Eagles don't have a Super Bowl. At least the Bucks won in 02. Da, 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 da. And then when the Eagles finally broke through and won in 2018, so much. It's like I shed new skin. Yeah. I could finally breathe again. Like, I can't wait for the Canes. I would really hate for it to be this year. My brother actually posed me the question if they made it to the national championship, would you watch? And I'm like, yeah, I might have to watch that. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, that uh, was the thing that that was the whole yeah, disconnect for, that you and I had was because you were talking about Miami and I was like, I'm not discrediting your fandom. What I was getting angry at is the constantly being around people. Like I said, like being at school and people are like, we have a football no, team. And I'm I mean, like, do we want to talk about what you said? You, you took a shot at me. You took I a mean, shot at me. I took a shot, but that's only because I misunderstood <laughs> what you were saying. You took a shot at me. You I've said already apologized. That, you know, you've never seen we them win anything. I was like, we don't need, second, I forgot buddy. how old you were for a second. We don't need to get into it. Not no, that but, young, damn it. But I was like, but that's why when I said, you said it to me, you said, oh, so you're talking more about like Fairweather fans. And I was like, yeah, didn't I open with that? And you were like, no, you did not. (laughs) But yeah, that's the, so that you you pulled out the, you pulled out a Jobo and you just shot me and I was like, ah, (laughs) but that whole idea, like of, 
you know, Tom Brady goes to Tampa. Now I've got a bunch of people that I know, you know, from work and just uh, associate like people yeah. I associate with. Now all of a sudden they're rooting for Tampa. My cousin who lived in Orlando his entire life, it was like a huge Patriots fan. And I was like, why? And he's <laughs> like, oh, cause they, they win all the time. And I'm like, what, what, that, what? Mm. And he always yeah, says the same yeah, thing to me. He yeah. always goes, oh, well, what do you have against excellence? And I'm always like, yeah, but they're not going to be excellent forever. And then what happens? And then are you going to root for somebody else? Yeah, and then do you just stop rooting for them? Yeah, yeah exactly. And that's that's yeah, the thing that like, I was going crazy. I a bit of a fair weather fan. He's one of those, really? I follow LeBron wherever he goes type of guys, so. Yeah, like I I'm love Shaq. I well. love Shaq from the Magic. But when he went to the Lakers, I did not become a Lakers fan. Like I'll always root for, you know, Je- oh, so Shaq really Diesel. Should, uh, I should replace the opening clip where Kobe passes it to Shaq. No, I still, I still love that because it's like, and Shaquille oh, O'Neal, Shaq Diesel, the big Aristotle, uh, man. Come on. Great episode. Great episode. Time for the press conference. And we'll bring you the press conference in its entirety. Beautiful. All right. So we're going to wrap up the show like we do every week. Uh, give us uh, a couple of plugs. Um, again, my name is Brennan Tassif. I am at Brennan T Comedy on all social media. Follow me. Um, Brennan T Comedy.com. Follow me on Instagram. If you're going to follow me on anything, need those followers, baby. B-R-E-N-N-A-N-T Comedy. Um, and I also have another podcast called Brennan Tassif is your ex drinking buddy. It's a comedy podcast I do. Um, there's kind of two versions. Uh, most of the time I will have a guest on, um, a comedian friend or something like that. If not, I will just ramble and vent and rage about random things, politics, sometimes sports, even though I do a lot of that here. Uh, friends. A lot of times I end up talking about, you know, just dumb stuff from the past. But it's Brennan Tassif <laughs> is your ex drinking buddy uh, on all platforms. Joe. Uh, you can follow me at Joe Dorville on all social medias. Um, you can follow this podcast at Cheering Press on Twitter and Instagram. And you can check out my hip hop album TV by Headphone Joe. No O, no E in the phone in headphone. I'm making it very specific now so people don't get confused. Because I had a thought that confused me and then somebody else said something and I was like, okay, that could be confusing. Um, uh, Two things I want to say here before we end off the show. One, congratulations to us. No technical difficulties at all this episode, except that I'm on a slight delay. Um, And then two, all the other plugs for the rest of the stuff on this network is going to be in a little nice sound package that you'll hear at the end of this episode. That's not why I'm not saying them here, just so you're aware. So listen after we end because there's more. And like we always say, that's why we play the game. Hello. Hello. Thank you for listening to A New Low Podcast Network. We've got four fun podcasts on our current roster for you. Every other Monday, you can enjoy the Misbehavior Journal Club, a podcast highlighting exciting developments in the neuroscience community hosted by Amiel Moreno and Leia Krebit. Get some in-depth analysis of all things sports with Cheers from the Press Box, dropping two episodes a week, co-hosted by comic Brennan Tassif and hip-hop artist Joe Dorville. 
Catch me, Kyle Loader, with my right-hand man, Joe Dorville, every Wednesday as we discuss a different song from the Hamilton musical soundtrack on Who Does a Podcast. Last, but certainly not least, is our network's flagship podcast, A New Low, which drops every Friday. A New Low highlights a wide variety of current events that both disappoint and encourage our five diverse co-hosts, who are Farzad, Headphone Joe, No O No E Dorville, Scott by Scott, L Greg, and me, Kyle. Every episode of all these podcasts and all of our social media details and links can be found at anewlow.co. That's anewlow.co. All our shows can also be found everywhere podcasts are available. Like and subscribe is the name of the game. Thanks again for all your support.